When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to your Week 10 edition of No Fall Weddings, your fans' first sports network college football feed podcast where we've run through every single window of every college football Saturday and tell you which games you need to be paying attention to. My name is Matt Timonini, and I am joined by our West Coast Bureau Chief, Jamie Urich. Jamie, what is the temperature in Los Angeles right now? Uh, Currently, it is 5.30 p.m. on November 1st. And it is 75 degrees. It was 85 earlier today. I'm very grumpy about it. <laughs> it's a little chillier here in Orlando, Florida, where it is 830 on November 1st. It is currently 62 degrees. High was 72, so a little chilly here. There is a cold spell hitting most of the country right now, and that will obviously impact the way that college football is played over the weekend if those temperatures do not rise a little bit. But it's November. That's what football is supposed to be uh, getting cold the elements starting to have an impact and I, I wonder as we kind of go through these windows for for Saturday the 4th will that make an impact will a team in playoff contention lose a game because it's snowing because it's cold and their quarterback can't grip the ball we will have to wait and see but what we do here on no fall weddings is we run through each of the windows of every college football Saturday. We will go through every single game of importance, and then we will let you know which games that we think you should be making sure to tune into for your viewing practices on Saturday. We will start, Jamie, at noon with the number one team in college football, the obviously unequivocally best team in all the land that nobody could possibly argue with, especially if they have watched them play at least once This entire calendar year, the Ohio State Buckeyes taking on Rutgers at noon on CBS. Then on Fox, number 23, Kansas State Wildcats will visit the Texas Longhorns, who are number seven in the country. Over on ESPN, Texas A&M will visit number 10, Ole Miss. On ABC, number 15, Notre Dame will visit Clemson. Then on the SEC Network, UConn will visit Rocky Top to take on the number 17 Tennessee Volunteers. Over on ESPN2, Arkansas will play Florida in the Swamp. Then on the Big Ten Network, Wisconsin will take on Indiana. On FS1, Nebraska will face off against Michigan State. On ESPNU, Jacksonville State will play South Carolina. Then on the ACC Network, we will have Campbell and North, uh, North Carolina. I don't know if that's Nev Campbell. I'm not sure which Campbell that is apparently but then it took you like that reference to uh to scream that, uh, that's, uh, that's a i do it, yesterday was oh it, i would say it's her day but it's it's jamie lee curtis's day but yeah yesterday yeah. was like Nev campbell as the silver medalist for halloween it's final girl day uh no matter which generation of horror movie you're talking about but at 2 p.m on the pac-12 network if you get it arizona state will visit number 18 utah on the cw will be georgia tech and virginia uh and then at 2 30 on the cbs sports network we will have 
One of the games of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy Army will play number 25 Air Force. Jamie, um, as we were talking about before we started recording, like this might be the best window of the day, even better than the primetime window. So what game are you going to go with kicking off at or around noon-ish, bleeding into like the 2.30 uh, area here on Saturday, November 4th? I'm going to have my eye on that Kansas State-Texas game. Um, Kansas State is currently sitting at number 23 with Texas at number seven in the rankings. And really, we've talked about this before, Matt, but uh, with the college football playoff rankings being announced yesterday, the top four are in no way solidified. First of all, two of the top four have to play each other still. Ohio State and Michigan will play in a few weeks. Um, but it is, we will get a one loss team in that top four, most likely. Um, and so Texas currently has one loss, but if they win out, like they're, they've got kind of playoff implications. This game has playoff implications for them. Um, and this is their last game against a ranked opponent. So, uh, they've got TCU coming up next week, then Iowa state and then Texas tech. This is kind of that hurdle that they have to get over um and they've looked good but they haven't much like every other team haven't been without kind of some shaky moments this season um and so i'm watching that game because i think texas is one of those teams that has the potential to sneak their way into that four seed um as the rest of the season unfolds but they have to get through this game. And I made that same comment about Oklahoma last week. And then they lost last Oops. weekend. I kind of joked like, oh, Kansas is their last hurdle. And then they lost Kansas. So um, I've got my eye on that game. I think it's a, I think it's a really strong matchup. And, you know, the game is a home game for Texas. So that helps. Um, but the playoff implications for them and for, the field at large make this a really interesting matchup for me. And we've talked about this before, but when you're kind of in the lower end of the ranked teams, like Kansas state, isn't going to get a playoff berth. Um, They know that. And so sometimes these big games of being like, well, if we're not going, you're not either can kind of feel like a playoff game in the way that these teams approach it. And so I'm looking to see how Kansas State approaches this game. I'm looking to see how Texas responds. Um, and I think we're going to have a really exciting football game on our hands. I think now that we are getting into November, where there is just four weeks left of the regular season, a lot of the conversations that we have to have is less about, oh, this is going to be an entertaining game. And it has to be more about what the playoff implications are. Obviously, a lot of times, that will lead to entertaining games because the competition will be really good and the, the, the talent is better. But everything now has to be more about the long-term implications of a win or a loss because that's what we're doing, like right? Like th that's what we have to be thinking about when it comes to championships and, and playoff berths. So I think that's a really smart pick. I, I have, as I've said here many times, I don't trust that. I haven't trusted Texas all season. I don't trust Oklahoma either, but somebody has to win the big 12. And I think it will be very, very interesting to see who comes out of that conference. And if they have one loss where they will be slotted in against other teams competing 
for maybe a number four spot or maybe even a three and four spot in the in the college football playoff seating because nothing about the Big 12 right now screams competitive football conference uh, on the national scale. So if Texas can get through K-State and can get through the rest of the regular season and maybe even will have a rematch with the Sooners and, and have the opportunity to rectify its, its one loss, maybe that that is enough to push them over the edge. But they do have to get through the Purple People Eaters on Saturday. So that should be a good one. I am going to go with the best team in the history of college football, the number one Ohio State Buckeyes. And I, of course, have my my tongue firmly planted in cheek. Jamie, you and I are both Ohio State alums. And we talked about kind of the fact that even though they are number one, they are clearly not the best team in college football. Uh, over on Fame and Fortune and everything that goes with it, that was released on Tuesday night. So you can go back and listen to our immediate reactions to the initial college football playoff rankings there. But I think this is a very interesting game because they are coming off of back-to-back pretty big wins of, of varying levels of, of importance, but against Penn State and then Wisconsin. Wisconsin was on the road at night in Camp Randall against an Ohio State legend in Luke Fickle. And now they have to go on the road again out to Piscataway, New Jersey to take on Rutgers and another coach who knows a lot about Ohio State football in Greg Schiano. And the Big Ten East we've talked about a, a lot this college football season is probably the best division in all of college football with Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. But Rutgers is right there too, you know, on the next level down in that division. And if you start looking at, well, yeah, Rutgers has a pretty good defense. They're the fourth ranked defense in the Big Ten. That's impressive enough, but nothing major. But then you extrapolate that to what they are nationally, Jamie. They might be fourth in the Big Ten and the fourth in the Big Ten East. But they're ninth in all of college football. So they are still behind Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State. But they are only number nine in the country, giving up 276.8 yards per game. That's basically four and a half yards more than Georgia is giving up. Uh, It is better than Notre Dame is giving up. It is better than Alabama and Oregon and Utah and Iowa. And all of these teams that we look at as excellent defensive teams, they are doing better when it comes to to yards per game. When you go over and look at scoring defense, they are also doing fairly well. They're number 13 in the country, giving up 15.8 yards per game. And when you look at Ohio State, who is better in both of those defensive metrics, but the problem is that Ohio State's offense has been pretty herky-jerky and has been a little bit all over the place in terms of their consistency and their efficiency. It certainly does not help that Kyle McCord, the starting quarterback for the Buckeyes, has been dealing with an ankle injury throughout most of the season. He initially injured it against Notre Dame. It was exacerbated last week against uh, Wisconsin to the point where at one point I, I actually thought that seventh-year quarterback, legitimate seventh-year quarterback Tristan Jebbia was going to have to come in because normal backup Devin Brown is is out injured as well. So I'm interested to see what the Ohio State offense is able to do against this defense after playing Penn State and then going on the road against Wisconsin, who's the number 25 scoring defense in the country. So this is three weeks in a row against pretty impressive defenses. 
And I think this is can be very informative to what we can actually see from them when they play the number one scoring defense in the country in Michigan later this season. I don't expect Rutgers really to be able to score much at all uh, on Ohio State. They are scoring 28 points per game, fifth in the Big Ten, but um, I, I, I'm... I, I feel pretty confident that Ohio State can uh, can can keep their offense at bay. Rutgers' starting quarterback is uh, is Gavin Wimsat, and he is only completing fifty percent of his passes. So I, I feel like Ohio State's defense can handle that. But I think it's more interesting to see what the Buckeye offense can do against a third straight really good defense and. If we can see some sort of evolution, if we can see some growth, obviously Kyle McCord is still going to be dealing with his ankle injury, but was Travion Henderson's explosive, impressive game after being out with with injury, was that a one-off or will he be able to maintain that against another elite defense? Will Marvin Harrison Jr. be able to continue to put up Heisman Trophy level numbers, especially if Emeka Ibuka is back like we expect him to be? What is this offense going to look like against this Rutgers defense? We know Greg Schiano is going to scheme the hell out of his players and he's going to get the most out of them. We know he's going to pull a lot of rabbits out of hats when it comes to special teams play. So I think this is going to be a really interesting game. Ohio State could end up winning by 30. I, I don't know. I don't expect that. But another good game, uh, another good test against a, a a competent and above average and really strong defense can only be informative about what Ohio State might look like when they play the Wolverines in the final weekend of the regular season. Absolutely. You know, Rutgers is a team that, like, I kind of think that maybe they are not getting enough respect this season. Like, yeah, they're, they've, you know, their two losses so far this year are a 31 seven loss to Michigan and a 24 13 loss to Wisconsin. Um, and they have a, a brutal schedule coming up because they do still have to play Ohio state and then Penn state in two weeks. Um, but I kind of feel like a case could be made for them to be a ranked team. And yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I I mean I'm certainly not you know I, we've we've said it before on this show like this is a season where n- nobody feels like safe or untouchable um maybe personally to me least of all Ohio State because they're the team that I'm the most emotionally invested in um it just doesn't feel like this is a year where we're not looking at a Georgia team like we have in years past where they feel borderline professional. We're not looking at um, a season where like Clemson's going to come in and just beat up on everybody. It's, it really could be anyone's game, but when it's a season like that and it is everyone's game, every team is kind of just like one shaky game against a really good football team away from a loss. And so this game I think is, is one to keep an eye on. And I certainly hope that the Buckeyes walk away with that win and um, and and look the part of a number one team. I don't think that it's as as cut and dry as just like, well, Rutgers isn't ranked and OSU is the best team in the country, so it'll be a blowout. It certainly won't. Yeah, Rutgers, for what it's worth, is technically the number 33 team in the country, according to the AP poll, because they are receiving votes uh only two but they are receiving votes so i mean i think there are some people out there that are recognizing that Rutgers is a a quality football team this season and i think what greg shiano has done 
in Piscataway is pretty impressive considering where he had them when he was there originally and then where they went after he left and then where he has gotten them to now I think is a um is a testament to what kind of football coach he actually is so all right Jamie we're gonna take a real quick break and then when we get back we will dive in to the afternoon window kicking off at 3 30. All right, welcome back to No Fall Weddings here on the Fans First Sports Network College Football Feed. Jamie, we've already talked about what games we'll be paying attention to in the noon Eastern time window, but it is now time to dive in to the 3.30 window, which will start on CBS as the number 12 Missouri Tigers travel to Athens to go between the hedges to take on the number two not number one, number two, Georgia Bulldogs. Then on ESPN, the number four Florida State Seminoles will visit Pittsburgh to take on the Panthers there. Then on ABC at 3.30, the number nine Oklahoma Sooners will go bedlam as they take on the number 22 Oklahoma State Cowboys. Then on Fox, we will have the number 11 Penn State Nittany Lions take on the Maryland Terrapins. On the ACC Network, we will see Virginia Tech visit number 13 Louisville. On ESPNU, number 24 Tulane will face East Carolina. On the Big Ten Network, we will have Illinois taking on Minnesota over on Peacock Iowa who will be devoid of an offensive coordinator at the end of this season will visit Northwestern then over on the Big 12 network slash ESPN we will see Houston and Baylor on FS1 it'll be UCF and Cincinnati on ESPN2 it'll be James Madison and Georgia State and then uh, on the SEC network at four it'll be Auburn and Vanderbilt yeah, yeah, I guess we can include these in this window. Pac-12 Network at 5.30 will be Cal and number 6, Oregon. CBS Sports Network will be Louisiana Tech and Liberty. And on the NFL Network at 6, we will have Marshall and Appalachian State. There's a couple good games in there, Jamie. I don't know if there's as many as the noon window, but what are you looking at in that 3.30 to 6 o'clock range on Saturday? Yeah. You know, I think, again, if we're talking playoff implications, for me, the game that I'm most paying attention to is Missouri at Georgia. Um, sure. Georgia, until last week, where they played Florida, um, hadn't really played anyone of note. Um, and they do have a tough back half of the season. They've got Missouri this week. They have Ole Miss next week. Tennessee the week after that, and then they close out the season against Georgia Tech. Um, and I, so I think, you know, they they do have a lot of opportunities to prove themselves as a team that deserves to be in the playoffs. And I frankly, like, I don't think anyone is is out here claiming that this Georgia team is the Georgia team of the last two seasons that we've seen Um but I think this Missouri team, you know, it is a great kind of first really hard test. Um, Florida, yes, like the Gators are a very fine football team. Um, Graham Mertz is a pretty good quarterback. Um, but they're not, to me, um, the same caliber like team holistically that Mizzou is. Um, and so I think if Mizzou comes out and plays like the best football that they have in them this season, 
Um, this is a Georgia team that has some holes that can be exploited. And like, yes, Carson Beck has looked pretty comfortable in that quarterback role. Uh, the defense is absolutely ready to rock when they need to be. Um, but they haven't really fully been tested yet this season. So I, I think that this is a game that Georgia will probably win, but it's going to be the first time we might really have to see them battle it out. Um, and so I'm just kind of curious to see what they're working with compared to previous seasons. Cause I think they're in for a fight. Um, and I do think that it's going to be a pretty dramatic game. And that's all you can ask for. Like I want these games to be fun. Well, as Buckeye fans, we want everything to go Ohio State's way. Uh, as a college football fan, I just want to be entertained. And if if Mizzou somehow gives Georgia a game, that will keep me glued to the TV during that afternoon window. So that is definitely a good pick. I'm going Bedlam because anything can happen in a rivalry game, as we've talked about before, and anything can happen in a Bedlam game. This game is being played in Stillwater. The last time that this game was played in Stillwater... Oklahoma State won uh, 37 to 33 in 2021. Uh, Oklahoma won last year in Norman 28 to 13, and they have dominated this series 91 to 19 to 7. So the Cowpokes don't often win these games, but they did win the last one in Stillwater. And, and Jamie, I picked this game mainly because, like I said a minute ago, I want to be entertained. And Oklahoma is not necessarily the same offense that it was with Lincoln Riley at the helm, but it's still pretty good. They're putting up basically 490 yards per game, which is number two in the Big 12 this season. Then on defense, Oklahoma State is giving up the second most. They are 13th in the conference in total defense, giving up 409 yards per game. So just from an entertainment factor value, like I feel like Dylan Gabriel, who we have had until recently very high in our uh, Heisman conversation over on fame and fortune and everything that goes with it. I think he could very well put up a lot of yards this week and it will be fun. Um, It is very difficult for me to ever root for Mike Gundy because I think he's a trash human being, but I kind of just like to see the upsets. Uh, You know, they talked about a minute ago when we were talking about the Texas game, like, do we really think that anybody in the Big 12 is going to be one of the top four teams in the country? In terms of quality, probably not. But because of their schedule, if Oklahoma or Texas wins out, they probably have a pretty decent chance if if there isn't you know four undefeated teams. So anything that makes it easier for Ohio State to get to the playoff, like I'm good for that. So I'll probably root for the Cowboys, even though don't like their head coach. And I also feel like Dylan Gabriel could put up 500 yards passing in this game. So I think it'll be interesting. I think it'll be an entertaining game and there's not a lot else going on in the afternoon. So uh, I'll go bedlam just for sheer potential chaos value. You know, I love chaos. I like that pick. All right. So let's go to the prime time window, which does have a couple bangers, but uh, is a little thin outside of that. We will start at 7 p.m. on ESPN as the number 21 Rock Chalk Jayhawks of Kansas visit Iowa State. Then we will go over to 
FS1, where BYU will play, play WVU. On FS2, Utah State will play San Diego State. Then at 7.30 on NBC, the Purdue Boilermakers will take on the number three cheating cheaters of Michigan. Then on ABC, we will have number five Washington taking on number 20 USC. Then at 7.30 on the SEC Network, we will have Kentucky and Mississippi State on ESPNU. It'll be SMU and Rice. Then at a random 7.45 kickoff time, come on, CBS, what are you doing? We have number 14, LSU, taking on number 8, Alabama, for what essentially will be the SEC West crown. Then at 8 p.m., we've got Miami and NC State on the ACC Network. Jamie, a couple good ones in there. Where are you going first? I've got my eyes on my neck of the woods when the Washington Huskies come to USC. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be an absolutely insane football game, in my personal opinion. You have two of the best quarterbacks in the country playing each other between the Huskies, who have Michael Penix Jr., who is very much still on Heisman watch, and last year's Heisman winner, Caleb Williams. Um, this is a homecoming game for USC. It is completely sold out. And I do think that the Huskies, even though they have the number five seed and would be the most likely currently to slot into a four spot if one of those teams dropped out, they might have the most brutal path to get there. Starting with this weekend, they have USC this Saturday then number 18, Utah, then number 16, Oregon State, and then they play uh, Washington State to finish out the season. Um, This is going to be an enormous test for them. Um, And I just, I'm so excited to watch these two quarterbacks face off. I just think this game is going to be absolutely bonkers. And, you know, Washington has looked not like a number five team. Like they are lucky that they have Michael Penix Jr. Mm-hmm. leading the way because their game against Stanford this past weekend, while they won 42-33, he threw 369 yards and four touchdowns as he has thrown four touchdowns in five games this season. Um, but they didn't look like a team that wants a spot in the playoffs. And their week before that was his shakiest game and the team's shakiest game against an unranked Arizona state, which they won 15 to seven. Um, I don't think this team is invincible by any means and they have a brutal end of their season. But I also think that if they can kind of turn the switch up, they have the potential to play some of the best football in the country So it could go either way. And I think this battle of the quarterbacks is going to be so interesting to watch. I can't wait to see it. That's where I'm going to, that's where I'm going to have my TV. A classic big 10 matchup here. I uh, really, uh, (laughs) no. Um, I mean, you talk about the fact that Washington has kind of struggled here recently, but so is USC. I mean, they're coming home fresh off of a 50 to 49 win over Cal But then the previous two weeks, they lost to Utah and Notre Dame. So they are coming home, and they were at home against Utah, but they're coming home off of a pretty brutal three-week slide or three-game slide. And they did get the win last week, barely. But if they want to turn their season around at all, and I 
I think there's probably still an outside chance because, like you mentioned, there is a brutal back half of a season for so many teams. Um, they have to win this game. But, you know, full disclosure for them as well, they've still got to play uh, number six, Oregon, and number 19, UCLA. So, you know, if they want to have a shot at a big or at a Pac 12 championship, they've got to win this game and they kind of need a win to stop the bleeding that they've had the last few weeks. So this one will definitely, definitely be an uh, an interesting and an exciting one. But I am going to go with probably the marquee matchup of the entire uh, of the entire weekend as who the Bayou Bengals, the number 14 Bayou Bengals head to Tuscaloosa to take on Alabama. And I at the beginning of the season, I picked LSU to go to the college football playoff and to win the SEC. That is not necessarily looking like it's all that possible at this point. I think there's probably no chance of LSU making it as a two-loss team. But they still could go to the SEC championship game, and they still could potentially kind of upset the apple cart if they were to do that and to beat uh, and, and they were to beat Georgia in that game. It, I'm not going to get into all of the, um, you know, the tiebreakers and stuff out in the SEC West, but, but basically right now, Alabama leads the way they are five and zero in conference LSU and Ole Miss are tied at four and one. The thing is, Ole Miss has already lost to Alabama and beaten LSU. So, there's there if LSU beats Alabama, it will basically be a round robin of those three teams, and they'll have to get into the tiebreakers. And I'm not even going to worry about breaking down what the SEC does with those. But if LSU wins this game, they're in a pretty decent shot, uh, decent position to go to the SEC championship game because Ole Miss still has to play Georgia. So I think they've got a leg up there. Uh, This is the last game for LSU that uh, is against a ranked opponent. And uh, Alabama still has to play Auburn at the end of the season, but they don't have any ranked opponents either. So I I feel like this is a game that could decide who Georgia plays in the SEC championship game or at least go a long way, obviously. And I still think that there's a lot for for LSU because I think that they are a better team than their two loss records uh, than their two loss record indicates. As I've been saying on Fame and Fortune and everything that goes with it for a while, I still strongly believe that Jaden Daniels, their quarterback, is a Heisman Trophy finalist, uh, not a front runner because of the two losses. And I know how these things work, but on basically every statistical measure that matters, he is either leading the country or in the top three. So he is an incredible quarterback, and I think going up against Alabama's defense, which has. Uh, you know, it's been pretty good this season, only giving up 16 and a half points per game, but not necessarily as terrifying as we have come to expect from an Nick Saban coach defense. I think that there's still a pretty decent shot for LSU to pull this upset and to eventually secure itself a berth in the SEC championship game. So I think it'll be interesting. I've kind of babbled my way through uh, the thought process there, but I think that this is one that you have to keep an eye on. Uh, maybe a dual... TV situation. If you've got the uh, the YouTube TV, make sure that both of these games are in the multi-view box because Washington, USC, LSU, Alabama, I think that's a pretty good one-two punch double feature 
on a uh, on a Saturday night, Jamie. I agree. I also like I don't actually think Alabama's out of playoff contention. <laughs> no, no, not at all. If they win this game, they absolutely are in playoff contention. They they would then of course have to beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. But with one loss, you're telling me an Alabama team with a one loss in an SEC championship game, they're in. I mean, as far you know, unless there are somehow four undefeated teams, which I don't even know if that's really possible at this point. But yeah, they're well, in. Washington would if have they to win out. out, right? Like we, in order for there to be four undefeated teams, we have to. Washington has to win every remaining yeah. game. Washington, Florida right. State, and one of the Big Ten teams has to win out. Um, well, I no, think, not even that. Not even then. Because who else? Who would be the fourth? George, well, Georgia would be the fourth. Oh, what's well, I'm saying in that situation? There, I don't know that there is a fourth team that's undefeated. No, they're, they're, if Georgia loses a game, if any, if Georgia or Florida State lose a game. There's no like there's no situation for for yeah. there's no Alabama doesn't have a path if one of those teams doesn't lose a game but I just don't see yeah. Washington not dropping a game and I I mean a, a one loss team is getting into the playoffs this year there's just no yeah, there's no there, way there, Washington yeah there there can be four undefeated teams in the college football playoff this year but that would mean that. One of the Big Ten teams, obviously the winner of Ohio State, Michigan, would have to win out. Georgia would have to win out. Florida State would have to win out. And Washington would win out. In that situation, Alabama obviously has no shot. But if Alabama wins the SEC championship game, they're in. Uh, if, if they so. win out. I, I mean, they have to be. Because because Ohio State or Michigan would be out at that point. Um Georgia would be out. I mean, in terms of like undefeatedness. So you'd have the right. Big Ten champion. You'd have Florida State. You've had you'd have Washington. So Alabama as a one loss SEC champion versus a one loss Big Ten non champion. I think that that goes to Alabama. Um, and, uh, and even Georgia, I guess, could be in that conversation as well. But you're not going to put Georgia in over Alabama if they just beat them. So, yeah, if Alabama wins out. And beats LSU and and runs the table in its remaining regular season schedule and then beats Georgia in the SEC championship game. The Crimson Tide, who we left for dead after they lost to Texas, is in over a over a potential one loss Texas or Oklahoma, who's a, who's a Big Twelve championship because the SEC champion is clearly going to have much better cred than the Big Twelve champion. Well, and frank, frankly, as they should. Um, oh yeah, like that's not. I am not an SEC like I, it brings nothing brings me more joy than like watching the SEC uh like crumble when it that it ever happens. But like, there's just no world in which Alabama's strength of schedule and is not like that's better than the Big Twelve championship. It just is. Yeah. So um, I yeah, it's one of those times where I feel like I kind of have to defend the SEC for as much as I don't want to. Yeah, it's crazy to think that before we even got to the conference slate, everyone was just assuming that Alabama was done and out of the playoff. And now they're really sitting in a position where they control their own destiny, which is uh, nuts and not a situation where I would want to be if I was anybody facing a Nick Saban team. Certainly not. This is why I love the seasons, though, where like no one is a shoe in because it's yeah. so much like every single game is high stakes. Um, every single game 
and you write teams off and they come back. You, it, uh, it's beautiful. I love it. The other thing is, is like, because we have four weeks left, shit's going to go down. Like, I mean, those, somebody is going to lose that we don't expect to lose. So even though we currently have five undefeated teams and we know that two of them are going to play each other. So eventually that can only be four and not to discount. I know air force is undefeated as, as well, but they're not in the playoff contention. Um, and there are other teams, Liberty and, and some other schools, but like the teams that are in playoff contention, there's five undefeated teams. There can only be four out of that. One of them, I, I, I will be shocked if Georgia, Florida State, and Washington, or even the, the team who wins the Michigan-Ohio State game, is are all still undefeated. Like, there's going to be more chaos. And there's going to be chaos with those one-loss teams. Oregon, Texas, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, Penn State, Mizzou, Louisville. Teams are going to lose. And I think that's what great. I mean, it, it harkens back to 2007 when a Jim Trestle-coached Ohio State team probably would have won a national title had or had uh West Virginia not fumbled the bag in uh its final game and then they get blitzed by Florida in the national championship game so and maybe I'm confusing those years yeah that, that would have been the first one so I think that would have been the, the the Urban Meyer game so like it's just a chaotic year and it's when there is nobody who is elite you are just kind of rooting for craziness. And I love craziness. You love chaos. I I think that this is just a very fun way for a college football season to roll out. It's the way we, we win when we get to watch games and not know for a fact, like, yeah, the game always has to be played, but there are seasons where you just kind of know in your bones that the one team is so much better than the other. That's not even a fair matchup. This is just not that season. And I love it. All right, let's look at the After Dark window. We'll just kind of run through these quickly. On the Pac-12 network at 9, Stanford and Washington State. At 10 on ESPN, we've got Oregon State and Colorado. On the CBS Sports Network, also at 10, we've got Boise State and Fresno State. Then uh, on FS1 at 10.30 is number 19, UCLA versus Arizona. I don't feel the need to watch any of those, Jamie, but I guess if I'm going to, it would be... Oregon State and Colorado. DJ Uyunglele versus Shador Sanders. Like That's a pretty fun quarterback matchup totally yeah I also wouldn't mind turning on the Stanford Washington State game I think this is again one of those games you could kind of have it on as background noise you don't need to pay pay super close attention to it but those are two teams that feel like they're just kind of pretty evenly matched um and so the Pac-12 has given us a lot of really good football this year, and I think that this might be one of those games that just kind of continues to be uh, fun football to watch, even if the teams aren't like the two best teams in the Pac-12. Yeah. The problem is, Jamie, that game's on the Pac-12 network, and nobody outside of like your immediate market gets that channel. Um, so a little bit of a problem if someone wants to turn that game on. Uh, I guess Fubo probably, I think Fubo has it. Um, I don't know that many other live streaming services have it, but no cable outside of the Pac-12 footprint is going to have it. So you can watch that game. You can have that game on in the background. Most of us cannot. All my West Coasters. (laughs) Turn it on if you're bored. (laughs) Yeah. I have not. I still have not watched a single episode of Loki, so I might try to get some of that done this weekend. But maybe not. I don't know. Uh, that's a whole another conversation for a, for another day in, in terms of 
what's going on with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but that's a different podcast. But all right, Jamie, um, that's all we've got here. Anything else? Any parting shots about this week's uh, college football slate or anything else going on in, the, in and around college football? Uh, I just want to know when we're going to get to see the demise of Michigan. And I don't think it's going to be this season. No. I'm waiting. Just know, Michigan fans, just know I'm waiting with bated breath. And I can be a patient person when I need to be. Here, here's the thing. I don't want this story to ever end. Like, this is just, from a pure entertainment value, like, honestly, I, I don't care about the sign stealing. Like, I, I, I just don't care. But it's hilarious. This dude's on the sidelines with, like, Ray-Ban Google glasses, like, recording the signs from his, uh, from his sunglasses. Like, what are we doing? This is just pure comic gold. I never want this story to go away. I want every week to be like a new Where's Waldo of this dude on a sideline of a college football game. It is just funny. And like how we talked about this over on one of our podcasts on the Land Grant uh, uh, podcast network, like the delusion and the sheer hypocrisy of Michigan fans trying to defend this is very funny to me because of the whole you know, moral high ground that Michigan men always like to take. Like, this is just fun. I, I don't want this story to ever go away. It's like I've written a column or two about how I want Jim Harbaugh to be the Michigan coach forever. Of course, this was before he beat Ohio State two years in a row. But like, just because he's weird and he's fun, like it gives us something to talk about, Jamie. So I want this story to just go on in perpetuity and um, never leave us because... I need something to giggle about uh, on a random Wednesday afternoon because somebody has spotted this dude in a fake mustache and sunglasses on a sideline of a football game. It feels like the plot line of a Ted Lasso episode. And (laughs) that to me, like, it's so, so ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I love every second of it. And I agree. Like, I don't like Jim Harbaugh, but that's the appeal. Like, he hates us as much as we hate him. And in order for there to be a rivalry, both it, there it has to go both ways. And so I feel like for as much as I don't like him, um, I like that he's the coach because I think it makes it more fun to trash talk between the two teams to kind of... So I feel like he's kind of revived that rivalry in a way that we needed. Yeah, I, I love it. I, I love everything about it. And, you know, uh, eventually something is going to happen. That something might be nothing, but there's going to be some sort of re- resolution. And even in the worst case scenario for Michigan, or maybe not the worst case, but like even if the, the, the games that were there found to have cheated or whatever get vacated, they still won those games. It's like, you know, whenever we vacate things in, in college football, like they still happen. We know who won. You know, I will be as an Ohio State homer. I will very much beat the drum of, you know, Ohio State. If, if those games against Michigan and Ohio State get vacated, like Ohio State didn't lose those games. Those don't count. Ohio State is still on whatever winning streak. But like they still lost those games. It's just like. Okay, whatever. But to me, the comedy far outweighs like the the cheating side of it. I just don't care about that. I I, I made this differentiation on Twitter. Like sign stealing 
is good. It is part of the game. Um, you should do that. Like you absolutely should try to steal your opponent's signs. The problem comes when you do it against the rules and like do advanced scouting and record the sidelines directly. That's against the rules. If they did that, which obviously they did, they should be punished. But like sign stealing inherently is not bad. Um, it's part of the game. So like, I just don't, I can't get worked up about the act, but I am giggling furiously over the audacious ridiculousness of everything that they are doing around this whole thing. Yeah, it does. It does feel a little bit like their response to me makes no sense because it's kind of like, my guys, like, why didn't you just own it? Um, it, it, it could have been one of those things. that's just like, yep, we did it. Everyone does it. What are you going to do about it? Like, leave us alone. Um, because everyone does do it is the thing. They just don't do it in the way that Michigan appears yeah. to have done it. Uh, no, there's no appears. They did it. Stop. Don't play journalist with me. They cheated. Like they, we know they cheated. You can't deny it at this point. No, you can't. That's fair. <laughs> I do feel like my inner journalist, like I know the advisor at the lantern is certainly not listening to this because he's a very busy person. But if he were, and he heard me say they cheated, he would call me after a decade and be like, it's alleged. That's see, that's the problem with journalists these days is don't try to both sides everything. Don't try to couch anything. That's the problem with our po political discourse now is that everything has to be couched in this both sides ism. Just tell us the facts. Michigan cheated. We know they cheated. It doesn't matter about their whether Jim Harbaugh knew or not, because according to the NCAA rules, whether a head coach knows or not, he is responsible for everything that happens on his staff. So they cheated. It's over. Let That's fine. Let's move on to what the ramifications are and what the penalties will be, if there will be any. I'm not guaranteed, you know, I'm not 100% uh, sure that there will be any, but just please, more, more ridiculous videos of this guy on sidelines. That's all I want. I don't think that's asking too much, Jamie. Yeah, I, I want that forever. I do think if Michigan is punished for this, we're going to get some prime Jim Harbaugh content. Oh, Jesus. Well, first off, he'll be the next coach of your Chicago Bears. But... Don't wish that on me. <laughs> Don't wish um, that on me. But, yeah, the, the, the whining will be otherworldly because that is a, one of the things that he does best. I just... Those press conferences are going to be unbelievable to watch. That's like, grab your popcorn, Michael Jackson meme. All right, that is all that we have for this episode of No Fall Weddings. Thank you for following along with the Fans First Sports Network college football feed. Make sure that you are following us on your podcast platform of choice, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your daily dose of audio goodness. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us at FansFirstSN. You can follow me at Matt. You can follow Jamie at Jamie Urich. That's J-A-M-I-J-U-R-I-C-H. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful football Saturday. And don't forget, what starts with a fall wedding ends in a spring divorce. <laughs>